It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every single day. We've got, we've made it. We're back. The season's going to start. Training camp starts next week. We'll be five days a week for the foreseeable future. So make this show your first listen every day. Tell your friends to do the same. In today's episode... It's the seventh installment of the Lockdown Blazers countdown to tip off. We're running down every player on the roster and giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the Blazers. We'll look at how they performed last season, how they wound up on the Blazers. We'll talk best and worst case scenarios. And then we'll close the show with a discussion of expectations and likely role that they'll play on the Blazers this season. This is our seventh installment of the countdown and the eighth player that we've profiled. So if you've missed the others, check your feed wherever or however you are listening to this. Make sure you go back and check those. Get ready for training camp preview and every player on the roster. We're going to wrap these up by the first week of October. You'll have a preview for every single player. So it's a great place to point your friends to if they're getting new to the podcast or just getting acquainted with the team this season, reacquainted with the podcast after taking the offseason off. It's a great jumping off point, a great preview spot to get you ready. And today we're wearing our mittens. Talking Gary Payton the second. That's GP two. Let's let's find out how GP landed here in Portland. It all finally clicked for GP two last season. Payton had spent the first five seasons of his career scrapping to find a role, and then he finally found one in Golden State. And for the first time in his career, he appeared in more than thirty games in a season. In fact, all told, he played 71 games for the eventual champion Warriors, averaging a career-high 7.1 points, a career-best 3.5 boards, a career-best 1.4 steals, and in a career-best 17.6 minutes a night. He even started 16 games for the Warriors, shot 61.6% from the floor, 35.8% from three, and 60.3% from the free throw line. He had spent his first five seasons signing two-way deals and non-guaranteed contracts and getting waived after training camp appearances with the Lakers or with your Portland Trailblazers. Last year, he finally caught on. In fact, the Golden State Warriors had signed him to a two-way contract in the previous season. Then they waived him, hoping to sign him to another deal that would uh, you know, allow him to kind of, for financial reasons, they want to save a, a, a small amount of money by re-signing him. And they did. And then he finally got a real contract, you know, a one-year minimum deal. But for someone like him, that amounted to real stability. It wasn't a 10-day deal. It wasn't a training camp invite. It was a real deal, holy field, minimum contract, fully guaranteed with the best team in the league or what would eventually become the best team in the league. And all he did was play the best basketball of his life. In fact, Gary Payton scored in double figures 24 times last year. His two highest scoring games came against Memphis and Phoenix, the two best teams in the Western Conference. He brought it when they needed him to. And those 24 games, 24 nights scoring in double figures, it's pretty impressive when you think about it because he had never played more than 29 games in a season over his previous five years in the league. He got an opportunity, he seized it, and he was fantastic. In fact, he was an integral part of the Warriors' playoff rotation. Until he broke his elbow, getting hit from behind by Dylan Brooks in the Memphis series, and it caused him to miss a month. He was playing every night in the in the first two round series. Played, you know, was part of that rotation top seven, top eight against Denver in the opening round. Part of that rotation and and uh, and getting you know big tough assignments, asked to guard John Morant a little bit. Um, 
as much as the Warriors switch, it's not always obvious. But, you know, getting big, tough assignments in round two, then on a fast break, gets hit from behind, breaks his elbow, and misses a month. And the Warriors missed him. They missed him. They go into the opening game of the NBA Finals and they lose. They're down 0-1. And what do they do when they get the mitten back? Gary Payton II, young glove. The mitten is a way better nickname. That's what we'll go with. Mitten comes back and all Steve Kerr does is play him 25 minutes. His first game back. He makes all three of his shots. He's plus 13 from the floor. He was a series changer. In game six and seven, he played 26 and then 19 minutes. He had 15 in game six. And then he had the perfect Gary Payton line in game seven. Six points, three boards, two assists, three steals, and a block. He was on the floor as the season ended in Boston, literally playing crunch time minutes for the best team in the league. And he was on the court when the NBA Finals ended. Crunch time at the biggest game of the year. In 92 finals minutes, Gary Payton II, or the Warriors, were plus 35 with Gary Payton II on the court. GP2, plus 35 in his five games. Plus minus is a little, you know, it doesn't actually, it's not super meaningful. But when you're looking at impact, it's hard to deny it over, you know, a, a sampling of a handful of games is much more meaningful than certainly one. He was really good to close the series. He was obviously the thing, not like the whole thing that changed the series. You know what changed the series is that Draymond Green played a lot better down the stretch. Steph Curry had a monster and monumental game four, but Gary Payton allowed them to do all of those things because he helped anchor a defense that ended up really being the major difference is that Boston just couldn't score late in that series. Their guards couldn't get loose. And Gary Payton was put on Jalen Brown and said, make it tough for him in the minutes that you play. You know who else he made it tough for? Joe Lacob's pocketbook. Because he was so darn good that he was going to get a pay raise. Gary Payton II is going to turn 30 on December 1st. And it's for the first time in his career, he's going to sign for real big deal NBA money. He's already a millionaire. Like, he's made small millions in the league. And um, t- to some extent, like, NBA contracts are so crazy that I don't want to diminish, like, $3 million in career earnings because it's a lot of money for many of us in the world. Uh, but, like... Not many guys go undrafted, bounce around in the G League, have to figure out if they're ever going to play in the NBA and whether that's worth it and what they should pursue, particularly coming from a pedigree like he did. It's, you know, his father is a Hall of Famer. It's all of these things. Like, he probably always envisioned himself in an NBA as an NBA player. And then now, he's 28 years old, and he's finally getting an opportunity to do so. The Warriors chose... The Warriors reportedly offered... Uh, the taxpayer mid-level money, which is something in the range of $6 million a year. Gary Payton found more money than that, and he found it in Portland, where his agent Aaron Goodwin and the Portland Trailblazers agreed to a deal of three years, $26 million. It can go up to $28 million with incentives. The final year of that contract is a player option, so you get two, at least two full years of Gary Payton, and he finally gets paid, making you know an average annual value of, of a little over eight a year. Peyton got paid because he deserved to get paid because he was fantastic. An elite defensive player on an elite defensive team and an integral part of a team that won the finals. A guy who was playing big time minutes in the biggest games of the year. That's how you get a paycheck. In fact, many of the Warriors role players got paid, but none of them more than Gary Peyton because he looks special. And the, and the Portland Trailblazers are banking on him being special. That's why they've committed money to him in this, you know, 30th and then 31st year of his, of his life. Like, 
They think late prime Gary Payton can be the thing that changes this group and pushes them over the top and makes them a good defensive team. How good, though? That's what we'll answer in the second segment is, does Payton push them to the realm of elite defensive team or does he kind of, or do they not, are they not fully able to take the step there? We'll talk best and worst case scenarios in that second segment. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Whatever that sport action, sports action is, you're going to find it. But right now, it's football season, y'all. You know what time it is. Basketball doesn't start. The NBA doesn't start for about a, a little less than a month before opening night. NHL just before that. So right now, it's college football and pro football. If you want action on that, you're going to find out. Bet online. If you want to, you know, futures bets on those other sports, you want to bet on golf, you want to bet on tennis, it's all there. Combat sports, whatever it is, you're going to find it on Bet Online. Don't wait. Go take advantage today. That's Bet Online where the game starts. All right. Let's keep it rolling, talking best and worst case scenarios for Gary Payton II, the mitten. Uh, as always, the caveat here up top is best case scenarios are within reason. We're talking what's reasonable for the player we're, we're previewing, not just best case scenario, you know, in the whole world. And worst case scenarios are without injuries. We're talking worst case scenarios for things that happen on the court. Everyone's worst case scenario is, is an injury. We are talking things that happen between the lines and things that happen within reason. So what is the reasonable within reason best case scenario? The within reason best case scenario is that Gary Payton is the answer that the Trailblazers have been looking for basically the entire LaMarcus, post-Lamarcus Aldridge era. Not since Wesley Matthews has donned the, the pinwheel, the, uh, the Portland Trailblazers sash across his chest. Have the Blazers had a capable point-of-attack defender to the level that Gary Payton could be? He was a low-minute guy last year. If he had been a big-minute guy, he grades out as, a, as someone who should have gotten legitimate, legitimate looks for like, not, maybe not defensive player of the year, but like a first team all defense type of type of defender. He wasn't that. And like, if you play 17 minutes a night, you're not that you're a low, you know, you're a low usage elite defensive player. And that's what he is. And the best case scenario is that's exactly what he brings to Portland, that he is a just point of attack nightmare on defense. Someone who can take take the air out of teams offenses because he shuts it down at the beginning. He can, he can corral ball handlers. He can blow up screens. He can be an absolute pest. And the best case scenario is that on offense, the things that he does so well fit in Portland. He's a good cutter, maybe even a great cutter. And he's was a really competent spot up shooter, you know, 36% from three, 35.8% from three last year, really competent spot up shooter. The best case scenario is that both of those things show up. And in addition, he's the puzzle piece that unlocks Portland's small ball dream. The Blazers want to go small. They want to go small. I've said it so many times in this podcast. I'll say it again today. They want to go small. But it has to, the, the, the pieces have to fit to allow them to go small. And, and the best case scenario for Gary Payton is he's the piece that unlocks it. He allows them to play three guards because he plays small forward. And he's such a good defender playing, you know, up a couple spots that it doesn't matter. And you can... You know, you can slide in smaller looks with Nazir Little and Jeremy Grant and Justice Winslow all playing all playing those spots at the three. You can even play tiny looks with where Josh Hart plays the four because he holds it down. And the other wing parts that the Blazers are banking on make it work. If Gary Payton the second is that guy, that's the best case scenario. Per cleaning the glass, the indispensable stat site from Ben Falk. 
Gary Payton had the best steal percentage among combo guards in the league last year. He was also 91st percentile in blocks among combo guards, 98th percentile in defensive rebounding, 91st percentile in offensive rebounding. His shot distribution is a nerd's dream. He basically only shot buckets at the rim and corner three-pointers. The best case scenario is the shot profile, the rebounding profile, and the defensive playmaking profile all pan out. And he's that guy. You're not him because he's him. That's the best case scenario because Peyton's skills are of an elite, elite role player. He does not profile as anything beyond that, but he profiles as an elite role player. And the best case scenario is that he is the guy that takes the Blazers from a below average defense to the guy who can who can fill in for when Ant sits or Amphrey Simon sits, fill in for when Damian Lord sits and lock down guards. And then when they want to go small, he can do that too. He's the answer. That's the best case scenario. So what's the worst case scenario? It's that what the Blazers do is just enough different offensively and stylistically to mute what Gary Payton can do on that end of the floor. While he's a really good cutter and a really good spot up shooter, he doesn't have the same gravity that he does in a movement-heavy, ball-movement-heavy offense in Golden State. If you don't have Steph Curry flying around the floor bending the defense, you don't get as many open shots, and you don't, and you maybe get a little more defensive attention to where if you aren't as good at a three-point shooter, it matters more. He was used as a screener a lot in Golden State, and the worst-case scenario is that is not really an option on a team that is going to deploy him as probably mostly a two on, on, on the offensive end or on the defensive end, like he's going to be asked to guard twos would be my guess, just based on the rest of the personnel, and that you can't really put him in screens because then you're spacing with non-shooters like Yusuf Nurkic, and it, it's just not the same thing. The The stylistic differences between the two things make the what, you know, the way that Golden State's offense breaks you and allows cutters to get loose because you're just so worried about off-ball movement, the, the Blazers just simply do not have that. They're an elite offense, but they're a little bit different. And Gary Payton is not, doesn't, what Gary Payton does doesn't fit them as well. He is good, but not elite in those spots. And the worst case scenario is that while he's a very good defensive player, he doesn't move the needle enough to demand minutes. And what I mean by that is that Payton's going to play. Like, he's going to play. We'll talk about this to close the show. I'm not, there's no worst case scenario where he's like benched. I, I just don't believe that. I think he's too good and too useful to, to not have a real role. But it's that Gary Payton's defense where he's, you know, where he can, he can scale up a little bit and guard threes. Uh, but like asking him to guard ones and twos doesn't quite move the defense. Point guards and shooting guards doesn't quite move the defense because on a team that's going to have to play and going to want to play Damian Lord and Amphrey Simons a whole bunch of minutes, there isn't enough. The puzzle piece doesn't fit as snugly as you'd like. And so you can't play those small ball lineups. So and so the Blazers move from, you know, one of the worst defenses in the league to something like 22nd. And Gary Payton makes them something like an average defense when he's on the court because of his coworkers, to be clear. But because he isn't that impactful on defense, then the other trade-offs start to come into play. Okay, we're going to go Josh Hart because Josh Hart has more offense and more on-ball juice and he can pass a little bit better and all those things. Uh, you start to say, okay, well, you know, 
Nazir Little is just longer and we'd rather have that, you know, that style of above the rim offense on the other end and 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 all of these things. The the worst case scenario is not that Gary Payton doesn't play, it's that he is not the game changer and doesn't ever sniff an opportunity to be a regular player in closing lineups because he doesn't fit the ask. The ask doesn't fit what he does. Like you are asking a question he doesn't answer, which is not necessarily fair to him, but it is what it is, and it might end up being how it goes. So the worst case scenario is that Gary Payton is simply a second and third quarter option. He plays the end of the first to the beginning of the fourth. He's your middle of the game type of contributor because when it comes down to the end of the game, the worst case scenario is that at crunch time, other players answer the questions and solve the riddle that the Blazers roster is going to pose better than Gary Payton. The worst case scenario is that he's simply a good role player, which he's paid like. The best case scenario is that he's the role player, the game changer, and one of the real bargains, and the answer that they've been looking for for seven closing in on eight years. That's the best and worst case scenario. Those are the two poles. What I try to do in this segment is find the ends, right? One end is your best case, one end is your worst case, and then we meet in the middle. So let's close the show. Let's meet in the middle talking about realistic role and expectations for Gary Payton in his first season with the Blazers. Join me in the third segment, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. What we do in the second segment of these player previews is talk best and worst case scenarios. Then we try to close the show meeting in the middle. Everyone lands in the middle of these things. I've gotten them wrong before, to be clear. Sometimes I haven't moved the poles enough or sometimes Damian Lord gets hurt and it just screws up my whole uh, predictions thing. But like, for the most part, I try to set these within reason and without injury. So like, if you stay on the court, you land in the middle. And then what we try to do here is figure out what that middle might look like. What I believe is the most likely middle, the most likely landing spot for all of these guys. That way we can revisit them and see if I, how close I got to being correct. So the role that I expect Gary Payton to play is a guard off the bench. It's pretty simple, pretty obvious. You know it. Uh, He doesn't have a chance to start. Um, Anyone pitching you that idea is confused about what the Blazers are doing. Uh, He's not going to be really an option to start at the three just because of his size. Like he's he's 6'3", um, measured a little bit smaller than that, but like 6'3"-ish. Um, he kind of plays as a big man on offense, but he's a, a, a functionally a guard with the way that positions work, although they're less and less meaningful the further we get down. Who you can guard and what you can do matters as much as, as your size, but he's functionally a guard. He doesn't really have an opportunity to start with this group because it's it's either going to be Josh Hart or probably, my guess would be Nazir Little at the three. If they want to play Shaden Sharp, it probably is where he slots in as a three more than a two. So Peyton's minutes are going to come backing up when Damian Lord sits and when Amphrey Simon sits. Those are his minutes. I think he's also unlikely as of right now, as I see it, like he's unlikely to start. And I think he's pretty unlikely to finish. Why I say that is because I think Josh Hart is pretty clearly the Blazers' fifth best player. Uh, Peyton could pass him for sure, but I think Josh Hart's pretty clearly the Blazers' fifth best player. Damian Lord, Amphrey Simons, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic. Those are five best players. If they don't go with the size, with Nazir Little to close games, I think you just go with the talent, with overall talent. And I think that Hart is 
enough of an upgrade on offense and not enough of a downgrade on defense to be the guy who you choose over Peyton to finish games. Not every game. Certainly the mark of a good coach is understanding how matchups work. And you got to hope that Chauncey Billups understands how matchups work. So closing lineups are not set in stone is that is okay. Gary Payton is just ruining this game for the other team. Let's keep him in there to keep ruining stuff. Uh, it's, it's certainly in the cards that Peyton closes games, but if I had to guess what is like a more traditional, more like everybody's healthy, here's the plan type of closing lineup. I don't see Peyton being in it. Um, that, that also kind of puts a cap on his minutes overall. I don't think it's a big, like Peyton wasn't signed necessarily to be a 30 minute a night guy. Like that's not what his contract suggests. That's not what like the rest of the roster suggests. So I, I don't think that's a big deal. But I think his realistic minutes cap is something like 26 a night. If I had to peg it, I would say 22. Like, I, I think he plays in that range, like two 10-minute two shifts each each half, right? Like, he plays, you know, last five, first five of, of, of the first and second quarters, and same in the third and the fourth. That's, that's how I kind of envision him being part of this. Obviously, rotation stuff can change. I'm going to be watching that closely. If you're a long-time listener to the show, you know I'm a lineups nerd. I'll, I'm going to pay attention to who plays and when, because that's what I think is the most important thing a coach does. I think the, the, that role, backup guard, 22 minutes a night, is, is the role. But the expectations are a little bit different for Peyton because there are going to be nights when I think he is the primary assignment guy, depending on the, the team. And what I mean by that is like when a big apex wing comes to town, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, you know, 6'7", monsters who, who can handle the ball and stuff like I think we know who gets those tasks, right? Jeremy Grant, Nazir Little, Justice Winslow. When it is, uh, you know, when it's Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, there's like literally one dude on the roster who has any chance and he's going to get roasted anyways. It's Yusuf Nurkic. But there are nights when, say, like Devin Booker or Trey Young or even De'Aaron Fox come to town. And the way to blow up that team's attack is to take away a lead ball handler who isn't super physical. To be clear, Devin Booker is really strong and really physical, but he's not um, he's not going to feed on a, on a bunch of post-ups. Like, he'll take you to the mid-post. That's where he lives. But it's a little bit different than guarding him versus, versus Luka or Giannis in terms of just, like, overall physicality, in my opinion. <laughs> Holler at me if you're a Suns fan, you think I'm wrong. But on those nights... I think there could be more of an ask from Peyton. So my expectations are when the matchup calls for it, when in a, when a team that has mostly an elite point guard and maybe a little bit lesser wing depth, like you can hide Damian Lillard on Jay Crowder. You can say, Dame, go guard Cam Johnson to close the game. Uh, we're going to put GP out here and he's going to guard Chris Paul or Devin Booker. Like he's going to try to blow up the Chris Paul stuff because he's a better option there. When teams with less threatening wings, who will rely on smaller point of a t- smaller you know uh, pick and roll type guards, my expectation is that Gary Payton gets that call and he gets that call first. Josh Hart will get an opportunity too, but Hart's defensive skills are not guarding little tiny speedy guys. Payton's defensive skills are that he's the he is maybe the one dude on the roster who checks that specific box. So while I don't think Peyton plays a ton of minutes and I don't think he's part of the closing lineup, I think there are nights and there are obvious nights when, hey, GP, it's got to be you because the the matchup dictates it. 
And the platonic ideal of this Blazers roster is that more so in years past, they can answer those type of questions. Okay, what does this team do well and how can we stop it? Okay, tonight's a justice night. Justice, you're playing. Okay, tonight's a Jeremy night. Jeremy, we really need you to be great on defense. Or tonight's a GP night. GP, we need you to blow this up. We need you to we need you to ruin the Hawks night. He's got to be a night ruiner. That's that's the ex- my expectation is that he gets that ask. Uh, I don't know if I'm as like he's gonna he's gonna get there, um, but I that's my expectation. He gets that ask, which would change his role from night to night. Matchup specific stuff will will change his role for sure. And like I said, the idea is that that's you know the idea with this roster is that they have more answers for that. A little less up front, a little, a little less with bigger players for to be sure. Um, that's something we'll probably have to answer throughout the season. But who guards on the wing? Who guards guards? Like who guards in the wing? There's more options. Who guards little guards? I, I think this is it. I think it's the mitten. I like the signing. I like Gary Payton is really easy to root for and really fun. Whether he will like, I really enjoyed him on the Warriors last year. Really enjoyed him. I, he, Maybe my favorite warrior, probably my favorite warrior. Uh, like, just just a delight. Whether he can duplicate that there, I'm, I'm here. Like, duplicate what he did there, I'm a little skeptical of, just because of, like, stylistic stuff. But I think he'll be fun to root for and easy to root for for, for fans. Like, I think he becomes, I think he has the path to fan favorite, like, so, 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 so quickly. Because what he does is enjoyable, and the way he plays is fun, and he's like... He dunks, he dunks and shoots corner threes. Like he's a, he's like a, his shot profile is that of a nerd's dream, but also like your, your dad enjoys a guy who just dunks and and makes hits open set shots. Like he, he too will enjoy the the musical stylings of Gary Payton the second. So I'm, he's a player I'm super excited to watch among, you know, I mean, very intrigued by the whole sort of Blazers experiment this year of going super small, but like. Peyton is such a big part of that experiment that I am super, super excited to watch it. You know how long we're going to have to wait? Less than 10 days by the time you are listening to this. The Blazers uh, preseason, you know, we'll see them a little bit in training camp in Santa Barbara or whatever. Then they put out video highlights on social media. But like they're going to be playing basketball. Preseason hoops. First week of October. First couple days of October. Oh, next weekend as you are listening to this. That's pretty fun. So why don't you tell your friends to jump on board, listen to this podcast. Uh, we will have training camp is Monday. I will have a, a preview of, of some training camp questions on Monday's show. We'll talk post-training camp after that. That'll be Tuesday's show. Wednesday, we'll do some more player previews. Thursday, we'll talk more training camp stuff. Friday, we'll do another player preview. That is five days fully coming at you every single morning, wherever you get podcasts or on YouTube. So tell your friends about the show and tell them to jump on board. Make this show your first listen every day, and then make your second listen. Locked on NBA's top 50 players in the league. The good folks at Locked on NBA partnered with Bet Online, the odds makers, to run down the list of the top 50 most impactful players in terms of betting odds. It's on the Locked on NBA feed, wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. You can find out who are the biggest needle movers in the league. Go check that out. You won't want to miss it. It's a whole bunch of fun. And if you look close towards the top 15, you're going to see this smiling face talking about a certain Trailblazers point guard. Let's go check it out. Come back soon. I appreciate you listening. And I'll talk to you soon. 